Welcome back to the Steadfast Podcast. I'm your host, Woody Posey, along with Brother Nathan Rogers as my co-host. Uh, Brother Aaron and Brother Jacob are missing in action. We don't know where they're at, but I think we'll be okay. We'll make it. We'll make it. The good news is you're not going to hear a lot from us today because we've got a couple of guests in the studio with us that we're excited to hear from. Um, we've got Brother Cameron Keith and Brother Dakota Cornette with us, and we're going to let them kind of take the reins and give us their testimonies today. Um, I do have a question. Brother Dakota? Yes, sir. Now, I've never met your parents in person. Uh, I've heard your dad preach on recordings numerous times. I have talked to your mom on the phone, I think, um, about the Pentecostal cruise or something that COVID canceled on us. But, but um, So I know that you was raised in a holiness home, that, you know, your, your uh, dad being a minister and all, you was raised up yes. in holiness. Uh, but every person at some point, they come to a place they realize, hey, I need this for myself. I need salvation and a salvation experience for myself. At what point in your life did you realize that you needed that experience for yourself? Well, the first time I ever accepted Christ in my heart uh, personally was I was probably about eight years old. We were uh, preaching at a church in Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, my dad was preaching. message was given in tongues uh, that somebody needed to accept Christ as their Lord or they would leave and they would never have that opportunity again. And, you know, obviously looking back, you know, that probably wasn't for my eight-year-old self, but uh, and at the moment— it, it kind of struck me with conviction, and uh, that was the first time I ever accepted Christ as my personal Savior. But later on in life, it was probably whenever I was about 16, late 16, early 17, where I uh, I really looked back and looked at my life and the things I was doing, and I realized that I might have went to church every day, sat on a church pew, testified, I knew how to raise my hands, but there was something inside of me that wasn't right, some certain things I was doing that maybe wasn't glorifying God, and I realized that there was a certain way I needed to live that I wasn't living and uh, I was about that old, and I was at my home church, and my grandpa preached, and uh, it might not have been as a big of a thing as, you know, the first time, but I went up and I gave my uh, heart to God in a new and a different way, uh, in a real personal way. So that was probably the time where it really became real to me that this isn't, you know, this is a lifestyle that I have to live personally. Yeah, it seemed like there's a misconception uh, with some sometimes that feel like that, um, you know, a, a preacher's kid, is just raised up in it. They're just automatically, you know, saved. Mm. Uh, but th- that's not the truth. The truth is that uh, we all, you know, we all struggle through life. We all have, you know, we all face trials and battles. We all have to come to Christ ourselves and get our own experience. And and so, you know, I, I like to ask that when I when I run across some that that yes, sir. man, we're gonna have to edit this. Cause I'm just stumbling all over the place. But I like to ask that when we run across somebody, you know, like a preacher's uh, kid that's, you know, been through that. You know, they hey, they have to find Christ for themselves and have that experience. Uh, go ahead and give us a little bit of testimony about your life. Well, uh, I'm 19 years old. Whenever I was born, I uh, was born immediately into an evangelist home. My whole life, we were, uh, my, my whole life, my dad was preaching. That was, uh, my. I've never... I've never lived a life where my dad had like a nine to five job where he had to go to work every day. My whole life, my dad was a preacher. Most of it was evangelizing, but there was a period there whenever I was about 15 that he uh, accepted a pastoring role at a church called Bethel Chapel in Indiana, Richmond, Indiana. Um, But other than that, my whole life, we were evangelizing. I I loved it. 
I've got to, uh, from that, that opportunity, I've got to visit every state except for Alaska. That's the only one I haven't gotten to go to through that. Uh, we've preached at, well, he's preached at several, several hundreds of churches, and I always loved it. There was parts of my life, you know, where Satan might have climbed up and, you know, made me wish I had a, you know, in my head, a normal life, you know, wish I went to public school, you know, played with my neighbors outside, whatever, wished I did all that, but there was times where I realized that, you know, the life I was living, God placed me there for a reason. It was very important for me to realize that, but uh, my whole life, I I really yearned, even whenever, even felt like whenever I wasn't where I needed to be, I always looked up to my dad so much that ministry was something I always, I looked up to him for it. I looked up to other ministers. My whole life, I always wanted to be in the ministry, and uh, I think the first time I ever got to really do anything for that was whenever we started pastoring at that church in Indiana. There was a few younger kids between the ages of about 8 to 11, and I was only, I was about to turn 16 whenever we took it, and uh, they didn't have anybody to teach their, teach their Sunday school class, and um, my dad asked me if I would do it. I was the only person in the church between the ages of 11 to about 30. It's a very small church. Asked me if I would be willing to teach it for a couple weeks, and I did. And that was really the first time that I got to have the opportunity to, you know, do a personal work for the Lord, not just, you know, got to travel with my parents or do all that, but something personally that I got to really do it. That was the first time. After that, uh, whenever we were, they were still pastoring there at the time, I felt like God was calling me to, uh, go to ministry, uh, go to Bible school, advance my ministry, went to Ozark Bible Institute in Missouri. I've been there for and about three years now. You guys are representing them yes, as sir. you travel now, correct? Yes, yes. sir. Yes, mm-hmm. yes sir. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go on. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I've been there for about three years now. The Lord, I felt like I was called to preach before I went to OBI, and I had done it a few times, but it seems like since I've been at school, uh, he's really... I'm I'm not a you know not trying to say I'm a good preacher, but he's really grown me a lot in that area. He made me realize that it's it's really there's a responsibility and a burden to it that I have now that I didn't have before I went. Yes, without a burden, it's just words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We yes, must sir. we must have a burden. You know that's I know I mentioned being amateurs at this podcast, and we're just kind of learning. We we've just started this and a few episodes in, but the Lord gave us a burden for yeah. it. And so, you know, it's important that we have that burden when Absolutely. we're preaching. If we're teaching Sunday school, whatever it is that we're doing, we need to have a burden for that. Yes, you sir. never know who you're going to reach. You, ne- exactly. you never know. The podcast. Yes, sir. And that's something that they've kind of taught us at school is that you can get up there and you can know what words to say. You can know when to, you know, do certain things. But if you don't have a burden and the anointing, then it's just words. But it takes that burden that that's what causes it to penetrate the hearts of your hearers and really make a difference. Yeah. We were, I think we were in San Antonio, I believe. I can't remember for sure, but there was a man, he was, he was a drunk man and he was pretending like he was preaching and he had the words. He, he had all the actions. He he hit the right notes on everything, you know, right there, but he didn't have no burden. He didn't have no anointing. He was, a, he was a drunk man, but you know, it takes more than just talent. You know, some folks might not even knew that he was drunk, but but we have to have that burden in our heart for the ministry. And if we pray and seek God, that He'll help us. He'll, that burden will grow. If that burden, burden begins to weaken, but God hasn't released us from what we're doing to move us to another work, then we need to be praying that the Lord put that burden on our heart. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you have anything else you'd like to say today? Oh, well, <clears throat> just since I've... Uh, been at school, Lord's, you know, help that burden grow. But also I've had, 
those schools granted uh, me and I as well as Brother Cameron. I'm sure he'll get into it some. But since uh, we've both been at school, we've uh, had a lot of opportunities to minister on behalf of the school. We travel uh, about every other weekend with the outreach team, go all across. So far this year, we've been to Oklahoma. We've been to uh, several churches in Missouri all around. And we, we, what we do is, you know, we go in and it's not just we go in and we uh, preach a Sunday morning service and we leave. Not we just don't we don't just go in and sing and leave. What we do is whenever we get to these churches, they uh, they just give us a list of what they need from us that week. So sometimes we've gone in, we've done kids crusades, we've gone in, we've done door to door in communities, knocked on several doors, people's came to services. We've done kids nights, we've done youth services, youth rallies, we've done church cleanups, uh, we've done all kinds of things, and that that I think's really helped open my personal eyes to. Uh, all facets of the ministry. What ministry truly, you know, ministry is not just getting up behind a pulpit. It, it, that's part of it, but it goes so much deeper than that. Yes. You know, the, in the ministry, a lot of times folks on the outside, especially, you know, that aren't saved, they just kind of looking, oh, there's the church, you know, they got a pastor and he goes, he preaches once or twice a week. A lot of, a lot of don't realize that they preach, you know, maybe three or more times a week, but they, they preach a couple of sermons and they go home and, oh, that's an easy job. Uh, you'd mentioned earlier about your dad not having uh, a nine to five job like most. If people see that and they think, well, they got it easy. Now you've lived it and you know that it's not easy. Yes. It, it's not an easy job. Uh, the, the things that you just mentioned is things that in, in a lot of our churches, the pastor's doing almost all of those himself many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pastor's job does not stop after the service is over on Sunday night or Wednesday night, but it's, it's 24 seven, seven days a week. It just continues to go on. It, the pastor may be the one taking out the trash. He may be the one knocking the doors. He may be the one cleaning the bathrooms. Uh, you know, I've been there, and I've been the one that's done all that before. And uh, it, you know, it is a full time job. And I, for what I did, I don't regret a minute of it. I it's don't a, regret a minute. Of it. It's a, it's, it's an honor to do it. It's an honor, but it's also a lifestyle. It is absolutely. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. I made a statement in an earlier episode that uh, life of a minister is different. And it really is. It is so different. Um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, right now I'm not pastoring. I'm here attending this church that we attend and, you know, helping our pastor here. I work a nine-to-five job. I go every so many weeks I go on call. But a pastor is on call. He never, he never, he doesn't rotate it. He is on mm-hmm. call. And I can remember times when, when my pastor here, when we attended here before, that we had never pastored ourselves middle of the night when I was sick, sicker than I'd ever been at the time, somebody tapping on the window and my pastor was standing outside the house and, and came to pray for me. And I don't even know how he found out I was sick, but there he was in the middle of the night had got up and drove to come pray for me. Uh, but that's the type of life a pastor lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Brother Cameron, give yeah. us your testimony. Well, I um, it's, it's pretty cool. You'll see that me and Dakota have had two pretty different lives, but, uh, I grew up in a, like a, a split home. My, my mom and my dad, they were, to, they were together right after I was born until about the time I was, I think three years old. Then they split. My dad was at one point saved in church doing well, but then he went back to, uh, just alcohol, drug abuse, different things like that. He was unfaithful to my mom. Um, so about the time I was three, they got divorced and, um, I, you know, through that there's been struggles growing up, you know, there's different things. You know, my mom was a single mother of four, you know, and she did a lot for us. I, you know, I mean, my mom's my hero. I'll always say that. She, she's awesome. She did a lot for us. But um, one of the best things she did for us was 
she made sure that we always had a way to church. That we were always going to church, whether it was her bringing us, us going with our grandma, the bus picking us up for church. She made, she made sure that we were going to church, whether we received that or not always, you know, that was on us, but she made sure that we knew the Lord. Sure. We were at church. And I remember because of that, she, you know, we weren't, we didn't have much money, but she made sure we went to, you know, church camp every year, youth camp every year. And whenever I was nine years old, at one of those youth camps, I was in a kids cruise, you know, you know, the children's church. And I remember giving my heart to the Lord for the first time there, you know, and it, it just changed my life. And, um, after that, you know, I had, um, begin to, you know, as, as I got older, you know, I went to public school most of my life and, you know, there's different struggles that come with that, you know, and I'm not saying you can't make it in public school, but there are those challenges that arise with that. And, you know, I began to follow after the crowd, the world, stuff like that, got out of church, was very inconsistent until um, I, I um, realized that, you know, my, my older sister, Erica, had begun going to our private school there at, you know, my home church, Faith Assembly. And once um, she did that and I saw a difference in her, it made me want to go too. So I asked my mom if it was okay if I, you know, switched over. And whenever I did, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, in that moment I was saved or anything like that, but that was my kind of beginning to get back in church at about uh, 14, 15 years old. And um, I, I, I remember I was uh, 15 years old back at that same youth camp that I hadn't went to in years. And in that moment, I remember rededicating my life to the Lord. And uh, from that moment on, you know, I had my struggles with my, you know, situations with my dad, stuff like that. He was in and out of my life. You know, there's different struggles. And I mean, a boy growing up without a dad, that's just not God's original plan for the family. And there are struggles with that. Sure. But um, so there were some inconsistencies in my life. But I remember that the next year, I, I remember being called to preach at that same youth camp. I mean, a lot of the monumental moments in my Christian walk happened there. And I, I you know, thank God for it. But um, so I remember the call to preach at 16. And man, it scared me. And man, I tried to run from it. And but, you know, Throughout, you know, whether no matter where I was at spiritually, I just always felt it. I always felt it. I, I felt, you know, the call to ministries, you know, things like that. And I remember I was my senior year in high school. It was uh, January 14th. I remember my youth pastor, Tommy Hammond, which is now my pastor, asked me to preach the youth service. And the first time I ever preached, you know, he, I, I, I tried to fight it off. You know, I pushed it back as far as I could, but eventually I did. And I remember preaching and I remember just feeling just the burden for it. How long did you preach that? I preached every bit of three and a half minutes. <laughs> I think mine was right about four or five. Yeah, minutes. yeah. Well, it was pretty good for first time, but um, so from that moment on, you know, I was I, I was still kind of fighting it. I didn't want to accept it. This was my senior year of high school, and after I finished and I graduated high school, you know, I was in that phase of trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, trying to figure out what I was going to be, you know, you know who I, who I was going to be as a person. And I remember middle of August. I'm 17 years old. I go to a youth retreat for the weekend, right? And it was a Saturday morning service, and the preacher, Brother Danny Sweeney, preaches on the call. And I knew what the Lord wanted. I knew it without a doubt, but I didn't want to accept it. And, you know, and, I, and I, in that moment, I, it was just a full acceptance of being called to preach, and even I felt like the Lord was dealing with me about OBI, Ozark Bible Institute. And you know, I knew what the Lord wanted, but I just didn't want to accept it. And then I remember right after that service, a woman from my home church called me and she said, I watched the live service and I, I felt like that sermon was for you. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I tried to shove it off more. I get back home that Sunday. So that was a Saturday morning and that was the last service. I get back home Sunday. Another woman in our church, you know, a woman that I've looked up to my whole life, she comes to me. She's like, hey, Cameron, I feel like the Lord wants me to just talk to you about surrender, things like that. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm starting to get it. Well, I'm at work 
you know, and I, I you know, it's end of the day, this is Monday now, end, end of the day, the guy I'm working with, he says, Cameron, you know, I felt like God gave me this to preach, but now I feel like he wants me to tell it just to you. And he talked about how there is pain with surrender, but it's always worth it. And a year before this, my youth pastor, Tommy Hammond had offered, he said, if you, if you'll go to OBI, we'll pay your down payment completely. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. And so I get back from work and I pick up my phone to call my youth pastor and tell him, you know, I want to, and he's already calling me. He says, Hey, why don't you meet me at my office at the church? I get there, I meet him. He has the forms ready for me to fill out to go to OBI two weeks before school starts. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, this is absolutely what I need to do. So I filled it all out. We got it sent off. I realized I haven't told my mom yet. None of this, you know, none of this has been coming. So went home, told my mom, absolute hundred percent support. And, uh, Two weeks later, I was headed to Neosho, Missouri. Now I'm a third year student there at OBI. The Lord's worked on me, helped me grow. You know, I've grown a lot, and uh, I think that was probably one of the best decisions of my life. It never ceases to amaze me when the Lord moves. You know, the the this the different ways that He moves. You know, He'll get His point across. Mm-hmm. He will. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, you can look back years down the road and say, "Lord has hand mm-hmm. in that yep. all along." I mean, his, his fingerprints are all over it. Absolutely. I mean, you can see it now. But oh, that, and that's the thing is hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, in that sure. moment, I had no idea, you know, how the Lord was working in my life. But I look back now and I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's just, it amazes me. And it's so crazy that me and Dakota can both look back at our lives. And like, I mean, you heard two completely different lives, but the Lord brought us to the same place where, you know, we're juniors. I mean, best friends, you know, and it's just, it's so crazy to me that the Lord, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. He's no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. That's right. You know, there's that song that talks about the ground's level at Calvary. You know, and in the ministry, that's the way it is. It, you know, the ground is level. It, well, he, he prepared you guys for this moment. You know, well, all, maybe not for the podcast moment. That's true. Not we just kind of snagged you and brought you in here. But, <laughs> no, this moment in life, this stage in life. He prepared you for, your, for this Absolutely. place in your life. Yeah. And, and I, I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do with you guys in the future. I really am. Absolutely. I believe he's got some big things ahead. Um, my advice would be to keep following the Spirit of the Lord. Keep following Him, letting Him lead you. Stay in the Word, stay in prayer, and let Him guide you in your ministry. I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, I, I cannot remember what I preached or what I heard at, uh, you know, at church one Sunday three weeks ago, but I know it sustained me for that moment. You know, It's like the meal. You, you probably don't remember the meal you had a month ago. This sustains you for that moment. So I think you preach about it tonight, Brother Cameron. You got to take each day it's a step. Continue walking that step Absolutely. towards the Lord. Absolutely. Every day. That's uh, that's something that I, a pastor had told me um, about a year and a half ago. We were talking to him. Just one thing, we've had, we both had the chance to travel with our school summer group, and we got to go to a lot of different camps, meet a lot of different ministers. One thing I tried to do was just... If you were, you know, what advice would you give yourself whenever, if you were in my position, you know, whenever you were my age? And one of them told me, he said, just trust, trust the Lord. And, you know, a lot of young people worry about the will of God. But if you're always in the word of God, you'll never have to worry about being out of the will of God. And he was like, and what, this kind of goes with that step. He said, what a lot of people don't understand is that following God's will is like connecting the dots. It's just one at a time. Yeah. It's like, and sometimes that's how you had to take it one step at a time, one day at a time, just trying to connect the dots. <clears throat> and as you look back, you can say, Lord had his hand in those dots. <laughs> and you don't always, at the beginning, see what God's doing. 
But when you seek his will to be in that center of his will, and he begins to reveal those things to you, what, he, what he's got in store for you. Yes, sir. And we know the direction that he would want you to take. So we're getting a little bit closer on time. But you guys have been traveling together for, have y'all, is this the first year y'all have traveled or y'all been traveling for a couple of years with the school? We've, we've done three years of three traveling years. with the outreach group. And then we've both done the summer ministries. Kind of switching gears a little bit. Have y'all had any awkward moments on the road? <laughs> I feel like we've had a Dakota probably has a story there's that a, he could tell. There is one. There is one story where the uh, outreach group was. I believe we were ministering in Bristow, Oklahoma, and we were on our way home or on our way back to Neosho. And it was real late. We left after a Sunday night service, and we're on our way uh, on our way back. We stop at a. Uh, I think it was a quick trip on our way, and you know it's real late at night. This was my freshman year. I was a lot younger, more mature than. And me and one of the guys in my freshman class, we're, we're in the back of the van, and we're just goofing off together, you know. And we get out of the van, we're walking into a quick trip, and on our way in, we're goofing off the whole way inside. And my friend, his name was Jaden, he started, he started doing this little dance all the way inside. So finally, we get inside a quick trip, and we're looking. We're, I think we're standing looking, and we're going to buy some chocolate milk. And we're sitting there, and this lady comes up to us. She's probably, she's probably in her mid-60s. And uh, she's, you know, she's not dressed inappropriately, but she's not, you know, dressed in church clothes. And she comes up to us and, and she says, were you the two boys outside dancing? And my friend goes, yes, ma'am, that was us. And, uh, you know, she goes, well, I was wondering, would you, would you all want to dance with me? <laughs> and, you know, I'm there and my eyes get real big. And I, you know, I want to be like, no, no, thank you. But my friend, the wise young man he was, said, oh, yeah, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, we will. And she was like, all right, well, which one of you want to go first? And, of course, he volunteers me. He points at me and says, oh, Dakota will go first. So I, she, she reaches out her hands and she just grabs my hand. We start, you know, she starts ballroom dancing with me in the middle of this quick trip. It's like midnight and we make a full circle and I look and my friend has bolted to the bathroom and he left me there. So now it's about midnight in Oklahoma somewhere and I'm ballroom dancing with this. Finds out she told me she was a homeless lady and she was, you know, they've actually kicked her out of that gas station previously and she came back in and we're ballroom dancing in the middle there and I... I'll never forget, I was so terrified that whole time. By, I, by the time, you know, she grabbed my hand, I probably would have been able to say no and walk away, but I was so shell-shocked, and I didn't know what to do. It just happened. I had no idea what to do. <laughs> that was probably the most awkward moment I've had. <laughs> That's awkward. That's <laughs> it pretty was, awkward. It was a lot. It's pretty awkward. <laughs> That's awkward. Well, I wish I could tell you awkward moments would stop, but they won't. <laughs> no, no. There will be more to come. Um, well, it's hard to follow that one up. <laughs> it is. You never know what to expect in ministry. Absolutely. You go somewhere and you never know what they're going to feed you. You never know where you're going to be sleeping. You just. Yeah, I uh, have a story about that. We were traveling this summer and we were in Louisiana. And I'm, I'm from about 45 minutes from Louisiana. So everybody just automatically assumes I like crawfish. I don't I like, like crawfish. crawfish at all. I don't like crawfish at all. So. We're, we, we get done preaching these services, and it's the next day, and the pastor calls us, and we're, he's like, hey, I, we got a big surprise for y'all. We're like, okay. So he's like, hey, come, come over to the house, whatever. And we get there, and they're having a crawfish boil. And we get there, and I'm like, all right, I just got to put my smile on. I'm going to eat this crawfish, and I'm just going to be happy about it. Well, I get out, and I'm just like, all right, I'll just get a few just to you know, eat. And then they're like, no, we'll fix the plates for you. And they load mine up. So I have to sit there with a smile on my face, and I just start peeling these crawfish and eating them. And I was like... Man, how did I get here? Do you like to go to McDonald's after this? <laughs> you didn't waste none of the crawfish, did you? I did not. I ate every piece of crawfish on my plate. The heads? 
Okay, maybe not every day. <laughs> Honestly, that is the best part. Really? Yes. Really? It, it, I just, it's not as bad as you would think. I'll have I mean, to take, I have to take your word for it because I don't, I don't think I'm brave enough to try. <laughs> oh, it's good. Well, I tell you what, I've enjoyed this today. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's it been has great. been. Thank you guys for... Yeah, thank you all for having us. Thank you all for coming. It's just visiting. Kind of, we, we felt like uh, uh, during the service as you were preaching, I felt like that yeah, we might need to try and get them on an episode. Yeah, that's awesome. And Brother Nathan, I think, was having the same thought about the same time. And, and so we're glad that y'all was willing to stay, stay yeah, over there. Absolutely. And, this and visit awesome. with us. And uh, you guys keep going on for the Lord. Yes. Keep going on for the Lord. Man, be an example to the young folks coming up. It's impor- so important in this hour. Y'all have anything else y'all would like to say or any more stories or? I don't, I don't know. Brother Nathan, you got any questions for him? No. I will say my, my sons have always looked up to you guys or to you, Brother Karen, or Cameron, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll edit that part Cam- out. We'll edit, I'll edit that, that part out, yeah. If any pastors are listening, <laughs> Brother, Cameron Brother Cameron likes to go by Karen yeah. and loves crawfish. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my, uh, my oldest son, they, after camp, hearing the testimony, they would let me know that, uh, you know, influence there. So you never know who's watching you. When so y'all yeah. get back to school, be sure and find Sister Allie Rogers and let her know that y'all was on a famous podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. We that nobody will. knows about. We definitely will. I think we got maybe maybe eight listeners. Hey, right, we got a listener out that's, in uh, Oklahoma or California. Wow, that's actually impressive. So, yeah. We'll put a poster up. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But we want to thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all uh, for having it's, us. It's time for us to sign off and go, but it, it's really been enjoyable. Um, do we have our new new email address yet? I can add that in later. All right. We can edit, uh, edit. it out and add that in. That's correct. All right. Well, thank y'all. And, thank you. Uh, we'll see y'all down the road somewhere. Sir, thank you. Yes, sir.